This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Monday, June 7th of 2021. I'm Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You can jump aboard by texting in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me at Gallant Says as we get this bad boy started. Very busy weekend in the world of sports. We saw a big NFL trade. There was an incident at a golf match that led to the man who was leading after three rounds having to basically withdraw. You had a fight that was stealing your money if you decided to go and watch it between Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. There was a ridiculous soccer game that took place between the United States and Mexico. But ultimately, here is where I once again find myself. I am thinking about the Mariners. I am thinking about our sweet prince, Jared Kelnick, who has uh, struggled, to say the least, to open up his career in the majors. Here's his last at-bat from this weekend on Saturday. Two and two, the count on Kelnick. Looking for a hit. Here's the stretch. And the left-hander's 2-2 pitch, breaking ball, swing, and a miss for strike three, and this ball game is over. The Angels... Win it, and they win it big. A final score of 12-5. to He's 0 for his last 38. And look, credit to the Mariners who were able to win yesterday without Jared Kelnick in the starting lineup. But I think right now you are seeing a guy that probably needs to be sent down. We talked about this last week as well. Hey, what's going to happen by the end of this series with the Los Angeles Angels? And I imagine that they will wait until the end of the road trip to send him down if they do decide to go about making that decision. But I want to say this. The Mariners made the right call in calling Jared Kelnick up. And I don't think that he is struggling because the Mariners decided to rush him. And I hate this concept that we have in baseball, but not in any other sport, that a young player is going to be thrust into the biggest stage of them all and then is going to just be bad because he wasn't quite ready I understand there's this idea of okay you want guys to go through gradual processes and going up against the lowest level of pitching and then the next level and then the next level before they get to the majors but eventually you want him to get to the majors and you want him to experience what it's like to be in the major leagues even if that does result in failure which is not the end of the world an 0 for 38 slump is bad I've seen it before with a great prospect who ended up being good. Alex Bregman, 2 for 38 in his Major League debut. And while we have more at-bats with Jared Kelnick now, 83. I just don't subscribe to the idea that the Mariners rushed him. And look, confidence is a big part of baseball. And I know that some people have brought up the idea of, well, this is a sport where you have to deal with failure more, and this is probably the first time Kelnick's ever dealt with failure, which is granted. But guess what? You brought him up to the Major Leagues. Now he's actually dealing with it. You have got a small victory out of this in that, clearly, the Mariners were not manipulating Jared Kelnick's service time. He probably isn't ready. But just because he isn't ready, you're, you're, you're never going to throw him up there because at some point he just has to be ready. So, look, I think at some point, probably the next couple of days, the Mariners will send him down. And they will send him to AAA, and we'll see if he's able to bounce back. 
but I don't think that they have the potential to ruin him. Because if he's capable of losing his confidence forever, then he was never going to be the guy that you envisioned him potentially being. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. You can watch 710sports.com slash video or on your 710 app or on your smart speaker. 710-710 is how you text in on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Text in from the 360. Hey, Paul, I actually agree with you, but baseball is harder skill-wise. No doubt about it. So here is today's question of the day. In the NFL or NBA, there's a theory you throw young players into the fire. If they're talented, they generally figure it out. Baseball, it is a little bit different. There's an idea that you can ruin a prospect by putting him into the majors too quickly. Why is that? Because I just don't subscribe to it. Another text from the 253. Baseball is a game that is solely reliant on the pitcher. A really good pitcher can make a hitter look bad. Sure, a defender can block a shot or sack a quarterback, but for the most part, the player's ability in those sports are the reason they succeed or fail. Baseball requires constant repetition day after day. Look, I'm not denying that, but all these sports are requiring some degree of repetition every single day. Blocking, tackling in football, dropping back, running routes, catching the football. There are elements of that that take place every single day. Maybe with quarterback versus other positions, it's a little bit more different. It's a little bit more burden on that side of things. Akalon says you can also tweet me. Russell Wilson is going to show up at OTAs this week. We know this because Jake Heaps tweeted out a video of, I believe, Russ taking a little video of the Seattle skyline as he flies back to SeaTac. I am wondering why, after missing the first two weeks, he now feels that he should show up for OTAs. And I don't think this is necessarily a big deal. It's good, in fact, that Russell Wilson is now showing up for OTAs. I just wonder why. And I think it's fair to wonder why. He clearly sees some sort of value in OTAs. And maybe this was some move of solidarity with the rest of the Seahawks who had all said veteran players that they weren't going to show up four OTAs, probably in some sort of active resistance against the NFL, adding that 17th game. They're not thrilled about it, so they're thinking to themselves, these voluntary OTAs are never really that voluntary. So if we keep all the veterans out, we can show a little bit of solidarity fighting back on that front. So it might just be a case of that. But Russell Wilson was still doing workouts. It's not like they weren't working out at all. And he was doing workouts at the same time as OTAs. He could have done them before. You could probably have done them afterwards. Instead, he's doing them at the same time as these OTAs. Why not just go and practice at the OTAs? Like, is it that different? You got to do it on your own field. You got to have complete control over it. You got to do it your way. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's what Russell Wilson is trying to show to the Seahawks in the way that he did it over the last couple of weeks. Don't think it's a big deal. I want that to be clear. And I think it is good that he is showing up for OTAs. I just think it's weird that all of a sudden now he's showing up. Why? And I think there's a mini flex going on with the Seahawks. He's saying, look, I'm doing things my way. And if we're going to have a long-term partnership, you are going to accept that. To the Seahawks' credit, seems like they have. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show. 710 ESPN Seattle. Again, watch. 710sports.com slash video. You can see my giant facial gesticulations when we have some of our callers call in. 
We have had some very fun callers recently. There's Robert, who uh, has told me several times, let me finish. There's also Robin, who has some very hot takes, like Felix Hernandez not being good. We enjoy these callers. We allow all callers into the program. But, um, yeah, going back to that, man, I can't believe that he actually said that. Posted the video. You can watch it on video then. You can see the actual facial reactions I have to some of these things that come out here. Text in, we got Russ's best years. He is Stallone at the beginning of Rocky Three. Hashtag movie star. Dang. He's cut at the beginning of Rocky Three. How much body fat did Sylvester Stallone have at that point? Like negative 1%? It was absurd. I'm sure he was doing all sorts of, you know, Roids, but also probably at the same time, like hydroxy cutting all whatever 80s, 1980s, like workout things that you had to do to look like that didn't look healthy. To say that he is Rocky and Rocky three, though, I think is inaccurate because that Rocky was very confident about his place in the grand scheme of things. Maybe if we're talking about Rocky looking at the statue and throwing his helmet at it, but it's Russell Wilson and he's throwing his helmet at the actual Seahawks organization. One last thing to work in, the Seahawks didn't trade for Julio Jones. I know some people are bummed, up, bummed out about that. It only took a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick to make it happen. There are some similarities between Seattle and Tennessee. Both of them have really good red zone offenses, and both of them had defenses that struggled last season. So how do you gauge this trade? Tennessee made a good trade in trading a second and a fourth round pick for a guy in Julio Jones who's better than one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. They're looking to upgrade their offense. They go from Corey Davis last year at wide receiver to Julio Jones. They don't give up a whole lot to do it. But is that going to take the Titans over the top in the AFC when they have one of the worst defenses in the conference in the actual NFL and the only thing they did to do to upgrade it this offseason was add Bud Dupree in? No, I don't think so. And this is why I look at the Seahawks in the same lens. Had they added Julio Jones, you're going to be adding DK, to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You're going to go from essentially an A to an A-plus at wide receiver. But it's not helping you on the other sides of the football. And it honestly might have put you in a situation, too, where because you would have to restructure Russell Wilson's contract, restructure Bobby Wagner's contract as well, where you're not going to be very flexible and able in your ability to down the road keep Russell Wilson as long as you possibly can, or to just keep this core that this, you think you were building intact as long as you can. And while I know that some people want to go all in over the next two years, I don't know. I think I want to see what I can do over the next five, six years. I'm Paul Galan. It's the Paul Galan Show. You can chime in on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Tweet me at Galan says, or call in in five minutes at 206-521-3776. In the NFL or NBA, there's a theory that you throw young players into the fire. They generally figure it out. But in baseball, it's different. Why is it different for baseball players versus those two sports? It's 10-10. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by King's Eating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon. Maura Dooley, how are you now? I am great. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Busy sports day today. Yeah. And honestly, there's a part of me that wishes that I had effectively put down on a calendar all the sporting events that took place yesterday because I was unaware of the Logan Paul fight until the end of the night. Honestly, I don't have a problem being unaware of it. It's Logan Paul. If it was Jake Paul, I I think it would be different. This with Floyd Mayweather and the style of fighting that he has, the style of boxing that he has, it's 
not exactly the best watch. But we had a crazy soccer game last night, and I just completely slept on that one. I wish I had watched it because watching the highlights and reading about it sounds like it was a fun time. Well, yeah, we've been talking about NBA fans being out of control. It sounds like these fans were on another level, but just the game yes. itself sounded pretty interesting with some fighting. Uh, apparently, the Mexico coach getting a uh, penalty for wrapping his arm around the refs while they were watching the replay. Just cuddling. What in the world? It's yeah. funny, too, that NBA players are so upset with some of the things that they have to deal with when the Mexican and U- United States soccer teams dealt with way more than anything an NBA player dealt with combined over the course of that game. Some dude got hit in the head by a bottle. Of something. A full one. Yes. Yeah. Right in the head. I mean, none of it's okay, but yeah, they were, those fans were on another level. It was a, yes. a bit of a mess. <laughs> Could always be worse, NBA fans. What's going on, Mora? <laughs> All right. The Mariners won the series finale against the Angels to salvage the split. Logan Gilbert looked uh, good in earning his first win yesterday, and it turns out some good news. Yusei Kikuchi did not suffer a major injury when he was hit Oof. with the comebacker this weekend, just a bone bruise. Kikuchi does not seem to have a very high pain threshold. Man, you and Danny are rough on that. I don't care if it's just a bovers or not. That's going to hurt. It must have hurt. And it probably scares you, too. No doubt. Sometimes you react a little stronger because you're not sure. What bothers me is to take him out of the game entirely on that. I understand why. Believe me, I understand why. But now it's like it's been a couple of times where he's had to leave early and afterwards you're like, oh, okay, well, it's, it's it's not any serious injury, back back spasms, and now this. Again, it got drilled off of his knee. That must have hurt like hell. There is a part of me, though, that wonders, could he have continued to pitch because they melted down after that happened? As far as Logan Gilbert, I'm glad you brought that up more. He looked awesome yesterday. He just gets better, it seems, as the game goes along. Yeah, well, last couple starts, you just see improvement each and every game. Yeah, and I... Honestly, did not see it as much in the last start, but this time I was like, "Oh, okay, he's 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 got something to him where he just dials it up as the game goes along." And that's exactly what I want as a, in a starting pitcher. I want the guy to get better, not necessarily start the game off hot. I want him to get better as the game goes along. All right, as we mentioned, quite a few other things going on this weekend. I guess we can run through these. Uh, you mentioned the soccer match. U.S. did end up beating Mexico in that. Huzzah! North that American crazy, champs! CONCACAF! Something thing, Majiggy. <laughs> and then you have uh, John Rahm in uh, golf, unfortunately, being pulled in the middle of his match when he was leading uh, due to a positive COVID test. Apparently, he knew he had already been exposed Tried to get the first vaccine after that, but obviously did not work out for him. And then the other one you mentioned, Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather won, but I think everyone was hoping for some sort of knockout. And yeah. that's just not what really what Mayweather does. There's a moment that went viral where it looks like Floyd Mayweather may have knocked Logan Paul out. And then he, it looks like he catches him. And it's just a weird look. Yeah, Floyd doesn't knock people out. He plays a game of tag. I'm not going to deny that he's incredible at it, and he's also great at making himself some money. But It's I, boring boxing. I agree, Mora. $50 for that. Against mean, the whole this. premise of boxing is that you hit people, right? Yes, you and do. I mean, not, he does some, but there's just a lot of dancing in his style. That, everybody, is what's trending. Brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. We will talk a little bit more about some of those things that took place this weekend at 1045. In fact, you get to pick the topic. But right now, guys, it's time to hear from you. 
3776 is how you call into the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You can also text in 710-710 or tweet me at Galan says the question of the day, why in baseball is it more of a possibility to ruin a young player by bringing him up too early versus football versus basketball? You get to answer that next. It's time for you to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 10.15 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Some Kikuchi defenders out there. You can barely do a radio show at 100% health. Shut your face. Wow. Your questioning of Kikuchi shows a level of ignorance I did not know you possess. Look, it's something that's happened in two of the last three starts. He's been fine afterwards. I'm not necessarily saying that he's got to fight through them, but I would like to see him continue to be in the game because he is one of the few starting pitchers on your team that you can trust to go six, seven innings and take some of the workload off of the bullpen. I will say I've seen NFL and rugby players miss games because of bone bruises. I wouldn't expect the MLB to be tougher than those guys. That's fair. And it is a, he has to plant with that leg. I don't. I no, get it. That's a good that's that's a that's a good take. This is just in a general observance uh, over over the last couple of starts with Yusei Kikuchi. This is not me calling out his toughness or anything like that. This is just saying like look, it's 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 it seems like when he gets when something happens, he is not going to fight through it. Some baseball players will, others won't. It's an 162 game season, so I get it. Uh you can call in 206-421-3776, text in 710-710. A text. Baseball's currently broken. Pitching is better than it's ever been and hitting is incredibly hard. This isn't an excuse for Kelnick, but he needs to go back down to AAA because he looks lost. I think we're all in agreement on that front. It just doesn't make sense to continue to try to have Kelnick out there if he doesn't look like he gets it. It doesn't. But you're going to bring him back up, and the assumption is that he is going to overcome these current issues after a month going up against completely different levels of pitching. Worse pitching. And you have to acknowledge that that's not necessarily going to make him better against those major leaguers. It's going to make him perhaps feel a little bit more confident in himself, but is it going to all of a sudden translate to the next level? Taylor Trammell came back from hitting very well in AAA. Is he, is he lighting the world on fire? Is he all of a sudden destroying things at a degree that you didn't expect? I mean, when I see him, look, I... I, I see a guy that definitely took advantage of some of the time that he had down in the minors, but, I mean, you know, if you take a look at him, essentially, over the last couple of games, okay, he had a two-hit performance on Friday. I mean, that's nice. So, like, there are some positive signs and stuff, but we're, we're looking at one hit and, like, oh, oh all of a sudden he's, he's figured it out. You know, like, he's still, he's still batting in the 100s. He's still batting about the same level that he was batting before he got sent down. You know, so look, again, I I understand that it's something that's a gradual process over the course of a year and that sending Kelnick down to the minors could help, but I, I really just wonder about the level of pitching that they're going up against at that level. I've seen so many young players just rake, rake at that level. 206 421 3776 is how you call in to the Paul Gallant show. Let's go to Evan and Puyallup. Evan, what's going on? How's it going? Doing well, man. What you got? 
Yeah, I was just going to bring up the uh, Russell Wilson thing you were talking about with the OTAs. Um, to me, it just seems like they kind of had a pack, Pat, the, about when they wanted to come back because I believe I read a report that said Bobby Wagner and a couple other players are coming back with Russell Wilson right. as well. So it sounds like they just wanted to spend a couple weeks doing their thing. I know Russell also is working with Tim Grover now um, as his trainer. And he just started working with him, so maybe he wanted to hash some things out and work on some particular things with him um, mm. before he came back and kind of allocate some time to that. But I personally don't really have a problem with him sitting out for a little bit and then coming back wanting to kind of do his own thing and work on some stuff. I, I get what you're saying there, Evan, and, and I appreciate the phone call. I, my, my big thing is, okay, if, if, if you're going to be urgent for 2021 – and offensively, you want to get off to the best start that you possibly can, and you want to be in sync with your offensive coordinator, and you clearly see that there is some value in OTAs, I get the idea of solidarity, and I get the idea of taking a stand as a whole. But isn't this offseason a little bit different for you in particular? I think it is. Now, again, this might have been something that, as Evan said, was agreed upon beforehand with the NFL Players Association as well. Joseph's in Tacoma, 206-421-3776. What's up, Joseph? Much fall, first off. That was a great, uh, great question, by the way. Great question. Thank you. Um, I think out of all of the major sports, I think baseball's the easiest one to uh, exploit an individual's weakness. Like, mm. for example, in the NFL, if you have a, a weak, not a weak arm quarterback, but, you know, not, not one of the big arm quarterbacks, you know, you can work around that. You know, in, in the NBA, if you're small forward is your defensive liability as a team. You can work around that. But like Kellenic, for example, right now, he's seen almost exclusively breaking pitches. Why? He has yet to hit one. He can't hit them. So pitchers are going are just pounding those curves, change up sliders. And until he shows that he can hit them, it's going to continue. Do you think he's going to get better at hitting pitches like that by going down to triple A? because I have a hard time thinking that's going to happen, you know, overnight. There's a part of me that almost wants Joseph, even though I think that they're likely going to send him down and it's probably the right move, for him to continue to go up against this tough level of pitching. I would hope so. All right, Joseph, appreciate the phone call. 206-421-3776 is how you call and you can text it to 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. I I think to what Joseph said, there's definitely a good point there in that someone like Kelnick clearly has a weakness that he cannot quite get out of. And I guess, like, what do you do if all of a sudden the breaking pitches are just killing you? Do you just sit on the breaking pitches and try to swing exclusively at the breaking pitches? No, it doesn't exactly work like that. And also, it just varies from guy to guy. I don't think that they rushed him. I just want that to be clear. I think you could question how things have gone for the Mariners and in their rebuild. Things have been kind of dicey over the last two years, obviously, with the pandemic. It sounds like excuses. There is, a, I think, though, an element of the fact, the, the, the idea that they rushed him. I just don't subscribe to it. He's confident enough and, I think, an exception to a lot of these players out there where you feel like they could be potentially ruined by coming up to the major leagues a little bit too early. I'm Paul Gallant. We're going to ask Michael Bumpus this question, the question of the day. Why do we treat baseball players differently when it comes to their development and talk about potentially ruining them? We'll also get his thoughts on the Julio Jones trade. Don't go anywhere.
It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're to fail. With Paul Gallant. We'll talk to Michael Bumpus in just a moment. The question of today's show, NFL, NBA, there's a theory you can throw young players into the fire if they're talented. Yeah, they're probably going to figure it out pretty quickly. In baseball, it's a little bit different. There's this idea that you can ruin a prospect by putting him in the majors too quickly. Michael Bump is with us now. Bump, why is it different between baseball and football and basketball? You've played football, and generally I think there is this expectation. and You get kicked out of the nest onto the field, and you either are going to survive or you're going to fail, and you're going to be found out pretty quickly. Baseball is just completely different. Well, baseball is based on failure. That's it. That's the difference. With, with football, you can have success in other areas, right? You can be a special teams guy, go down and make a tackle. In baseball, it's like, look, 30% you're a Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer. But in football, you could, you know, you could be a, a good blocker. You could go down and make tackles. So uh, it's a bit different, man. You have to be mentally strong as heck to be a great baseball player. So I feel for Jared right now. He's going through a tough time, and you have to kind of nurture a bit more when it comes to baseball. In football, you're like, look, you go out there, either you can do it or not. You got a two- to three-year window to get it done. If you can get it done, then you're good. If not, then uh, you're out the league. I think one of my reservations with it, Bump, is that in talking about a sport that where failure is involved, we're talking about those athletes, though, almost like they are more fragile potentially than the other ones. And I know that word, it, it can be a negative label at times, but I, I would say just from the the way that they are, that these young players are handled. And there is a part of me that thinks if your confidence is affected by your first foray into the top level of this sport and you can't get said confidence back, then it was never going to happen for you. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. I, I feel where you're coming from when it comes to that. Um, and the thing, the thing with baseball is that, you have multiple opportunities, right? There's so many levels when it comes to baseball. In football, it's like, look, either you make it or you don't. In baseball, it's like, all right, you got rookie ball, single A, double A, triple A. Let's see if you make it. So that alone lets you know just how difficult that the sport is. Baseball is the most skilled sport out there. Baseball and golf, I would say, has to do a lot with skill and a lot with knowing who you are and understanding the steps you have to take to be successful. Whereas in football, it's like, look, if you're just a raw athlete, you know, I've seen that, me, I'm a perfect example. I didn't play football until ninth grade. Ninth grade, I played football. I was athletic enough to be successful. In baseball, if you don't put in the time, and if you don't learn how to handle failure, um, you're not going to be successful. So it's just it's just a different game, Paul. And, and it's crazy. Um, and that's why I stopped playing baseball, honestly, because I'm like, look, man, I don't like being I don't like being struck out. I don't like it. You know, I don't I don't like going over three. Uh, I can I can catch. I can run. I can do all these other things. But if I'm not skilled and I don't put in the time to get all these reps, then I'm not going to be successful. So it's just it's a different beast. That's why I respect baseball players. That's why I don't mind that they get these huge contracts, because one, anybody can play the game. You don't have to be the greatest athlete to be a baseball player. Um, and you're competing with the world. So there, there's just so many obstacles you have to overcome to be a great baseball player. I get where you're coming from. Michael Bump is with me in this sports pit on the Paul Gallant Show. But there is a degree of skill to football, and you know it. You play one of the positions that requires the most of it, where with route running, 
you have to have incredible footwork. You have to be sure to be able to square off your routes. You also have to have hands, too. Like, you can't be a guy where it just bounces off. Because if it was just about a- athleticism in football or in basketball, you have to have a great, a great release with your shot. There is an element of skill in those sports, too. And I guess maybe you have those more down pat as you were a young player. But I-, I-, I feel like for baseball, yes, those skills are different, entirely different. But it's still similar to those sports in that, yeah, maybe your athleticism, you can't get away with it quite as much. but you're still trying to do and focus on these small little things and all of these sports to make yourself the best player you can. Yeah, I mean, there's skill in everything. I'm not, I'm not knocking. I know you're not. I know you're football not. players. You know, what I mean, like you, you oh, have to be able to we're not run your knock football players. Come on, now. Nah, not at all, right? You got to, re- you got to release. You got to know what defense you're looking at. You got to sit down in, in zones. You got to be able to beat the guy in front of you. So yeah, there's a level of skill that 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 comes down to it. But um, football is unique in that. There, where there's a position for every type of guy. The big boys are in the box. You know, the, the big swole guys are linebackers. The little guys are receivers and are DBs. So whereas all the guys I just mentioned um, in baseball, they all do the same thing. You know what I mean? They all have to be able to hit the ball. They all have to be able to 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 catch and throw. So I think that's where the difference is when it comes to, to baseball and football is that you have specific positions for a, uh, a body type. In football, to whereas baseball is like, all right, you guys all do the same thing. Good luck, and you're competing with the the world. Like everyone yeah. plays baseball, and in football, it's, it's just the U.S. You know. Speaking of football, Michael Bumpus, the Tennessee Titans pull the trigger. They get Julio Jones. Man, I know you wanted him, and it's just a second round pick and a fourth round pick it took for Tennessee to get him. How you feeling? I'm disappointed because I see what they got Julio for, and I'm like. All right, the Hawks have that. So what did it come down to? And I look at it and I'm like, and then you hear Julio, he says, Look, I want a guy who can throw the ball deep, who can, you know, who who can who can get me down the field. And that's Russell Wilson. I don't know if it's Tannehill, you know. <laughs> so what was the difference? I think it came down to him looking at what the Seahawks had and being like, All right, well, I I'm not I'm not okay being number two. I'm not okay with being number three. And I'm a, I'm all right with that because Julio Jones is not a, a number two or number three type guy. But if he was trying to win, I feel like he would have gone with the Seahawks. I know that the Titans have been successful. They have a great run game. He is the missing piece for the Titans. So it makes sense. I was just disappointed Man. because I'm like, Russell's your guy. He's the guy you described. You think he's the missing piece? Because I, I look at their defense bump, and, and I feel like while he is going to make Tennessee better, and this is a good trade for Tennessee – I feel like their defense, I mean, they make the Seahawks defense look like one of the better units in the NFL. Yeah, he's the missing piece on offense for those guys. Defensively, they have some work to do. Um, and maybe there's there's some relationships going there, right? You yeah. got Henry over there. You know, you don't know what happened uh, on the phone calls during text and all that stuff. So I, I think it came down to relationships. Relationships and feeling like, I'm going to be the number one option, but you still got Brown over there, you know? So yeah. um, that's a that's a nice one-two combo. It's pretty, pretty good. Derrick Henry as well. They got some stars in Tennessee, that's for sure. Michael Bumpus, always appreciate it when you join me in the sports pit and talk to you more Wednesday, 8 o'clock on Danny and Gallant. All right, man, Paul. Take care. That is Michael Bumpus, everybody. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at MichaelBumpus5. Up next. Normally you get to pick this topic, but because it was such a busy weekend, I do want to keep this conversation going that we just had with Michael Bumpus. How many Seahawks are perhaps frustrated that they did not go for Julio Jones? 
Let's list them next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. The most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710 710 is how you text in on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line 206 421 3776 to call in. So this topic's still on the table in the NFL or NBA. You can throw young players into the fire and you see pretty quickly whether or not they've got what it takes. Baseball, it's different. Why is it different? Should it be so different? Should we hold baseball players to a different standard? It does feel like we do that. But before we dive back into that, I do want to take a look at something that was said on the mean internet streets last night. And it was done in the wake of the Julio Jones trade by none other than Jalen Ramsey, who tweeted, I'm going to have myself a good Sunday, but this is all it took for a generational guy. And we were, quote, out end quote, of the Julio sweepstakes, wow, we would have been unstoppable with all them weapons. So there you go. Not thrilled, Jalen Ramsey. And it has me wondering what Seahawks would potentially be most frustrated by this same exact result. That, yeah, Julio Jones isn't going to another team in the NFC, in the NFC West, but he is going to a team that's going to be playing the Seattle Seahawks in week two at Lumen Field of this coming season. I think number one at the top of the list, that one's obvious, right? It's Russell Wilson. Russ would have loved to have as many weapons as he possibly could, and I don't think he would stop. I think if you traded him, if you traded for Julio Jones, he would probably still like, well, can we get Travis Kelsey? I feel like he is always going to push for as many weapons as he possibly can. I don't fault him for that, but I do think that when it comes down to the overall roster management, I think he should be more considerate of that side of things, that there is a defense on the other side to help him out. Number two, Dwayne Brown. If I'm Dwayne Brown, I'm up there in age. I haven't won a Super Bowl yet. I played for the Texans for the longest time. Now I'm here in Seattle. I'm getting up there in age. I've had a rough offseason, frustrated this offseason, where my quarterback all of a sudden doesn't seem like, first off, he's convinced I can block for him. Second, like he's going to stay here long term. I want to make sure that I can win by any means necessary, and Julio Jones would make our offense better. For Dwayne, I would be a little frustrated if I were in his shoes. After that, Jamal Adams. And I'll look at it from this perspective. Jamal Adams is in the midst of contract negotiations. Clearly, he sees that the Seahawks are a much more put-together franchise than the New York Jets. But I imagine that he is somebody that looks at where he's at right now and the fact that he hasn't really been able to win a whole lot thus far in his career and thinks just like Jalen Ramsey, if you were to add Julio Jones, and again, this is this is something why players probably should not have input when it comes to personnel decisions, but I imagine that Jamal Adams is looking at that and saying, man, that's something that would potentially help us with a better chance to win. And it's clear that that is something that he's prioritizing right now. I'd also put Bobby Wagner on that list as, guy, as far as guys who saw that they did not make that trade and probably thought to themselves, dang, we could have had this guy. It wasn't that much. But I'll tell you who wasn't feeling that way. If I'm Tyler Lockett, I'm DK Metcalf, I'm happy about this. I don't want my touches taken away. I don't. There are so many incentives attached to receptions and statistics and all of those things, and while your job might be a little bit easier, it can be frustrating for any wide receiver to not have the ball thrown their way over the course of 60 minutes. And while Antonio Brown getting mad during a game where 
He was targeted 17 times. Is still one of the craziest things I can remember in the NFL. It happens. So those two, probably the ones who are looking at this and thinking to themselves, okay, that's good. We we are not going to have to compete for any more touches. 206-421-3776. How you calling? You could also text in too. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Today's question, why is it so much more difficult for baseball players to make that leap? Why do we have so much concern over the possibility about someone like Jared Kelnick being rushed and because he was rushed, failing? I feel like if you are failing because of a lack of confidence at this level right now, just 83 at-bats into your career in the midst of an 0-for-38 slump, it was probably never going to happen. And I'm not, by the way, closing the book on this, burying Jared Kelnick. No, probably should go back to the minors for a little bit of time. Maybe that will help him get his mojo back. But the Mariners did the smart thing by bringing him up to the major leagues. You got to see if he can actually handle it right now. Right now he can't. So you learn that. And guess what? In a weird way, you have further put to bed the Kevin Mather incident where Kevin Mather's blabbing on Zoom and he's talking about how, yeah, you know, Kelnick, we're manipulating his service time right now because it's in the best interest long-term of the ball club and keeping him long-term. We tried to offer him a contract. He didn't want to sign it. This is another step away from that because clearly Kelnick wasn't ready. But I don't think that that's a reason to not put him up, to, to prevent him, to keep him down in the minor leagues because there's a massive gap between AAA and the majors, and he's got to get that seasoning. How is he going to get better? That's the way to get better, by going up against big league pitching. Some answers to the question as far as why it's more difficult for young baseball players, Texter, because batting is the hardest thing to do in all of sports. Hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like uh, as far as difficult things that golf could be on the same page. Ah, no, no. You know what? This Texter's right. I mean... You have to hit a ball that's coming at you from 90 feet away, sometimes at 100 miles per hour, and you have this piece of wood, and you're supposed to smack the ball into a spot where there's no fielders. Text, in football and basketball, being an athlete can overcome some weaknesses. In baseball, it's all about timing, mental focus, and just because you're a great athlete doesn't mean you're going to be able to hit the baseball. That's true. Danny and I touched on that this morning. You can't get away with just athleticism at this level. There's a part of me that that is wondering about Kelnick and just how much he has been challenged to this point in his career because if you look at Kelnick, strong, athletic, I mean, he checks all the boxes. And there is a part of me that wonders if his ability to clobber everything that he has seen thus far does come from some of that athleticism that he has, that natural athleticism. And now all of a sudden, this next level, it's just difficult for him to pick things up. Akalon says on Twitter to answer that question. You can also text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. 60 feet away, not 90. Thank you. Thank you very much for that one. Uh, Why aren't you discussing the cap hit and Julio Jones' desire for a new contract when it comes to the Julio Jones trade? Well, I have. I have touched on that. I mean, Julio Jones is someone that would definitely be asking for a new deal in Tennessee after this coming season. And Tennessee, they're in a tricky spot. They've got a lot 
of big-time contracts on the books. And maybe in the case of A.J. Brown, they can push things a little bit down the road. But they have Derrick Henry. They have Ryan Tannehill. They have Taylor Lewan. They have Roger Saffold. They have a lot of guys making a lot of money on offense. And now they're adding Julio Jones to that offense, and it is a very offensive-heavy team. Offense is only going to get you so far. It can win you the AFC South, no doubt about it, but Julio Jones is not a finishing piece, in my opinion. Not for the Titans, and I don't think he would have been for the Seahawks. I think any finishing piece that was really going to make a difference for you this coming season was going to come on the defensive side of the football. Uh, 7-10, A text, I have a feeling the decision was in, more involved than draft picks with Julio Jones. I bet he had a say as to where he went. You know what? That's possible, but he has a no-trade clause. I suppose that this would be a case of doing right by Julio, but it also sounds like there is an intense back and forth that was going on between the Falcons and Julio Jones. A lot of thanks to go around for today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show. Thank you so much for texting in, for calling in, for tweeting in. Big thanks to Michael Bumpus, who stopped by in the sports pit, and of course to Maura Dooley, who makes this thing happen every single day. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacey are next.